Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Steve Bain, and our goal is to help veterans and their families crush their transition and post-military career. Today is episode number 388, Coast Guard Cool, with Mike Reynolds and Christy Minchu. Right now, the Coast Guard Cool has 1,532 credentials on the site, and we are continuously adding new credentials. Hey, everyone. This is the third installment in our series where we are taking a deep dive into each branch's credentialing assistance program. Today, we talk with Mike and Christy from Coast Guard Cool. This is a relatively new program that was stood up in January 2020, but it already has over 1,500 credentials available for Coast Guardsmen. Here's the program in a nutshell. CG Cool funds enlisted members only, both active and selected reservists, and can help pay for exam, application, state licensing, membership, and renewal fees. The exam has to be related to a service member's rating, out-of-rate assignment, collateral duty, or their academic degree. There is no dollar amount cap on the cost of the credential. CG Cool only funds one exam attempt per credential, and effective one March of this year, service members can have up to two approved funding requests per FY. There is no additional duty service requirement for utilizing this resource, and finally, there is no recoupment if a member fails the exam. Mike and Christy rattle off a plethora of resources, so be sure to check out our show notes where I've linked to everything mentioned. If you're in the Army, you can find your deep dive in episode number 383, and if you're in the Navy, you can find yours in episode number 387. So, without further ado, let's learn more about the Coast Guard Cool Program. Joining me today from Norfolk, Virginia, are my guests, Mike Reynolds and Christy Minshew. Mike and Christy, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So Mike and Christy are from the Coast Guard's Continuing Education Program. But before we get started in the interview, I just want to read a quick bio on each so our listeners have some context around who they're hearing from today. So we'll start with Mike. Mike served in the Navy Reserves for four years as a CB and then 11 years in the Army in the telecommunications branch. Notably, he served in the Pentagon and the White House during the Clinton and Bush administrations and separated from service in 2002. Mike has been with the federal government since 2008, working for both the Air Force and the Army in roles in the educational programs. He has been with the Coast Guard since 2019 and serves as the Coast Guard's cool project manager Mike holds a master's in education in teaching and learning from Liberty University. Mike, welcome. And is there anything else you want to add to your bio? Uh, No, sir. That sounds good. Thank you, Steve. Absolutely. And since January 2020, Christy Minshew has been a team lead for the Coast Guard Credentialing Program, and she manages the daily operations, metrics, funding, and execution of said program. Prior to working for the Coast Guard, Christy spent 12 years serving in a variety of roles with the Navy's Voluntary Education Program. Uh, She's also a former Army Mill spouse, and she holds a BS in education from Old Dominion University. Christy, welcome. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, Thanks, Steve. Um, Nope, I think you pretty much covered it. Great. So um, we're just going to dive right in, and and hopefully folks are listening to this that are in the, you know, they're in the Coast Guard. Uh, They have questions about how they can leverage what's out there for them. So first and foremost, let's start with what's the 30-second pitch for U.S. Coast Guard Cool? What is covered? What isn't covered? Why should I care if I'm a Coast Guardsman? Steve, uh, our Coast Guard Cool program, it's fairly new. It's a little over a year old. It started in January of 2020. So on a personal note, when I exited the military, they didn't have anything like this. 
The Army didn't offer any credentialing program. They had tuition assistance for your TA. And at the time, I didn't have credentials or my degree. And as a veteran, I found the workforce personally very daunting. It was very difficult to find anything uh, above minimum wage. And I had problems for years. And without any credentials or a finished degree, I found personally that doors weren't opening. It took a lot more to get into the interview and to actually get to find uh, good employment. Now the CG Cool program changes that for members. And remember the Coast Guard Cool site, that's your primary source of information for credentials, certification, and licenses. That is your one-stop shop right there. Um, the CA program can help cover credentials that are related to a member's rating. It can also help pay for out-of-rate assignment, collateral duties, or your academic degree. Now remember, we don't pay for training materials or tests or prep courses. We fund enlisted members, active duty and selective reservists. However, we don't fund officers at this time. Okay, great. So just in summation, uh, you're funding enlisted service members uh, for, for their exam fees, their application fees, any state licensing fees, things like that. Yes. Okay, great. And, and you know, uh, it's natural in the military to compare my gear in this branch of service versus your gear in your branch of service, right? You know, uh, you know, my uniform is better than yours or, you know, the gear I get in the field is better than yours. So it's, it's natural for service members to compare the credentialing programs between each branch. So uh, what would you say in response to uh, me saying that, you know, the Coast Guard program maybe isn't as robust as what you can get from the Army or the Air Force or from some of the other branches of service? So we do keep a pulse on the other services credentialing programs, and we actually meet with them every quarter to discuss new ideas, policy changes, lessons learned. And that's so that we can all learn from each other and make improvements. Each service is unique, so it is expected that our programs will be slightly different. We all use the same website contractor for the cool websites, which allows us to have some uniformity um, and to also collaborate, collaborate easily with each other. Um, the Coast Guard credentialing program is new, um, like Mike had mentioned, and we're only a year into it. So we you know, definitely will evolve as time goes on um, to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the Coast Guard. Sure, sure. And so let's get down into the nitty gritty of this. Um, uh, so um, how many credentials are available to me? I mean, I know you said that it's a new program, but how many credentials are out there on U.S. Coast Guard cool that, that, that if I'm a service member, I can potentially pursue? Right now, the Coast Guard cool has 1,532 credentials on the site. And we are continuously adding new credentials uh, to the website. That's an ongoing process. That's a lot of the behind the scenes that I do and the uh, contractor does. We also continuously are reviewing our credentials, certs, and licenses and we will remove them if they don't meet one of the 10 national standards. Remember, the Coast Guard Cool site is not an academic certification. This is more of a voc vocational certification cert or license. Okay. Um, and 
just one mention, uh, be on the lookout, the CG Cool site. We're going to be adding uh, collateral duties to this very soon. That's a new thing for us. We're mirroring after the, after the Navy, but that's coming up real soon. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, of these 1,500 and I think you said 32 certifications, I mean, um, how are, how are service members hearing about this? How, how are Coast Guard's men and Coast Guard's women hearing about this, you know, this opportunity? Well, Christy and I, we work together and we've been marketing uh, to different sources. And I, I wrote down a couple of those sources so Coasties can go directly to where they are, where the advertising is. Christy just wrote an article for the new MyCG website and All Hands Briefer. That was written. That will be released fairly soon. We also uh, wrote an article for News at a Glance article on the Coast Guard's DCMS website. Now, I reached out to the senior enlisted, the Command Master Chief Gold Badge and Silver Badge Network. Then they have a distro, email distro that they send out. We also, ETQC, where Christy works, they send out a Education Service Officer, abbreviated ESO. They sent that out. It's a distro mail. And then the ESOs can learn about it and distribute that out to their, to their uh, members. We also advertise DCMS article was sent to the personnel service center where folks get their ID cards. So when they're getting their card, a new one or a renew, they can learn at the town hall. They can learn about the credentialing assistance program. Christy and I have personally done virtual briefs to every single district in the Coast Guard. Now, originally back a year ago, roughly, yeah, a year ago now, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, Christy and I, we're gonna go TDY to every district when COVID hit. So we converted that to a virtual briefing and those went pretty well. And we also, Christy and I have done the virtual education service officer briefings. Now the cool part about those, I mean, we have probably less than a hundred people, sometimes a little bit more. ESOs and members can ask questions via, you know, on the phone or on the chat box. And Christy and I would answer live time. I kind of like that. It keeps, uh, keeps things fresh and I think it gets the word out pretty well. We also advertise on the Coast Guard's Forcecom and ETQC portal sites. And we also, on the CG Cool site, we have Coast Guard Cool Flyers that are available. We have the Coast Guard Cool Poster on the portal. And we have a in full color, the Coast Guard Cool Trifold. And last, uh, I wrote an article for the Coast Guard Reservist Magazine article. So those are some of the ways that we got the word out. Sure. And for listeners, I will make sure I capture all those links from Mike. They'll be in the show notes when, you know, this interview goes live and you can find them on the website. Uh, so you don't have to kind of feverishly scratch those down while you listen to this. So, uh, cool. So I, you know, it's a fish on the hook. I want to do this program. How do I do it? So what's the process of applying for funds to utilize this resource? Um, yep, the million dollar question, right? How do I get my credential paid for? So what we have is an easy five-step process, and the steps can be found on our CG Cool site on the homepage. The steps are also listed on our internal ETQC portal site. But um, I'll briefly go through each step in the process. So step one, the member looks on the CG Cool site to find a certification or license that matches their rating, collateral duty, out of rate assignment or academic degree. And then the members will need to make sure that they are eligible for that credential. 
because most of them do have specific requirements like training courses before they can sit for the exam. And we do get that question a lot about do we fund prep courses and training? And the answer to that is no, we don't. Um, there are other funding options to pay for prep courses like the GI Bill, um, a resource called Skillport, and sometimes units you know, have training budgets that can help the members as well. So after they identify their credential on the CG Cool site, then they will go to step two. And step two is where they will actually submit their request in the My CG Ed system. The system is the same as tuition assistance. So a lot of members are familiar with it. They'll submit their application to their education service officer, their ESO, who will make sure that the member is eligible. And then it will be forwarded over to us to do the final authorization. And then along the way, the member does receive system generated emails to let them know, you know where their application is in the process. Uh, when, once we approve their request in my CG Ed, the member will then have the green light to go ahead and pay for their exam. And that is actually step three, which is they should be scheduling and paying for their exam at this point, and also requesting reimbursement from us because our system is a reimbursement process. So after they pay for their exam through the agency or the test vendor, then they will upload an official form 1164 and their receipt to the MyCG Ed system. And then step four is they will go ahead and take their exam. And then step five is they report their results to us. And then we can add their completed credential to their military records. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Great. Okay. And, and, and I just want to clarify, you know, for listeners and really for myself, because uh, truth be told, I don't know too much about the Coast Guard, shamefully. Uh, but uh, if, if, if I want to pursue a credential, does it have to be tied to my career field? Or like, say, for example, um, an MH-65 helicopter mechanic in the Coast Guard, am I only eligible to pursue credentials that are somewhat related to my career field? Or, or if I know when I get out of the service, I want to completely pivot and go be a chef, you know, can I go do that stuff on the Coast Guard's dime? So that's a great question. And the answer is yes and no. Um, so the requirements for us to pay for their request is that it has to be related to their rating, their collateral duty, their out-of-rate assignment, or their academic degree. So it does have to be related to one of those standards. So the academic degree is a good example of what you mentioned because maybe a service member has, you know, maybe they're culinary and, but they have a degree in um, cybersecurity because that's something that they're thinking about doing when they leave service. In that case, we would fund those extra additional cybersecurity certifications to help amplify that college degree that they already have. Makes sense. And, and um, okay, so, so I submit, my request, uh, you know, for funds, how long does it take to have that approved? And, and uh, are there any kind of lessons learned that, that you've seen? Because, I mean, you're the person kind of managing the team that you know, has to process these, you know, these requests. So um, how long does it take? And, and, and how can people be a first-time go at this station as they submit their request? So um, members will need to submit their request well in advance. So we do have a 14-day window. So they will need to make sure that their request is approved by their ESO, 
14 days prior to their exam date. So that, that is one important um, thing there to think about. And then they also um, need to make sure that they upload their official form 1164 in a timely manner so that we can get them reimbursed. But as far as the approval process and how long it takes, their ESO usually takes a couple of days and then once it reaches our office, we take an additional couple of days. And then once the member uploads their 1164 to us, they can expect their reimbursement within about two weeks from that point. But to get their request approved is, is, is fairly quick. Yeah, that's a pretty quick turnaround time. Um, any metrics that you want to share about the program? I mean, how many people are using this? Um, you know, I know you said it's a newer program, but I mean, how successful has it been with getting folks into the pipeline to use the resource? So we have been off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, for metrics, we have had 85 requests in FY20, which is a little low. Um, but considering that our program started the end of January of 2020, and then two months later, the pandemic hit us. So I think that has impacted those numbers for the first um, FY. But the good news is that so far this fiscal year, since one October, we've actually authorized over 90 applications. So we've already surpassed the FY20 numbers just four months into the FY. So we're excited about that. And keep in mind the Coast Guard is a much smaller service. So our numbers are going to ref reflect that when comparing to the other branches. But um, participation is definitely ramping up, which, which is great. No, that's great. That's great. And, and uh, just kind of off-road, I know you guys know the answer, but uh, can you talk to me about the eligibility criteria? Um, who, is, who is eligible to actually utilize the resource? So the, the eligibility criteria, you mean, um, Mike had mentioned, so we fund active duty members and select reservists. We, mm -hmm. we are not funding officers at this time. Um, and then there, you know, there's also some policy requirements like the member must be within their weight standards and good conduct and have at least six months remaining on their service obligation. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I know as we were exchanging some emails prior to this, you had mentioned, you know, some of the things that, that, you know, they need to be ready or not ready, you know, on their enlisted eval report, you know, no misconduct, that kind of stuff. So. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, if I use Coast Guard Cool, do I incur any service obligations? Like Christy mentioned, uh, the, the enlisted members have to have six months remaining on their service contract and that's it. Great. So there's, yeah, there's no, you know, there's no gotcha from uncle Sam if I use this resource. Yeah. And that's checked and verified by ETQC's part of their adjudication process. You know, if they have five months left um, you know, we've had a couple coasties where they had to reenlist, send in the paperwork and then ETQC will look at it and approve it or process it. Sure. Okay. And, and, uh, we kind of touched upon this in the last answer, Mike, but um, if a Coast Guardsman is transitioning, uh, how does that affect their ability to use this program? I mean, you said they had to have at least six months left in service, but are there any other caveats or things that people should know? 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much the answer for both of those are kind of very similar where they have to have six months left. And we have had some people, you know, I got a month left. Uh, I'd like to get this credential. They they need to have that six months. Christy, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's any waiver for that at this time. I mean, we will always entertain a waiver. You know, if the member wants to submit that, we will review it and see what we can do. You know, they have a couple months left. Um, we, we do get service members, like Mike had mentioned, who are going to be re-enlisting. And so we just require some additional paperwork if that's the case and, and they are going to stay in the service. We um, haven't had anyone who is not re-enlisting, but within the six months, ask us, you know, about a waiver. But that is something that we would always entertain. Sure. And, and um, is there a cap on the cost of the credential that I want to pursue? There is no cap, actually. So, so that, that, that is good for the service member. Um, they, can, they can request how, however much the credential costs at CG Cool is what we will pay. I think the most expensive one is, is around 2000 Okay. And, and you had touched upon earlier upon the reporting requirements, but um, once I complete the exam attempt, um, I need to report that. And, and is there any repercussion if I fail the exam attempt? So, um, so yeah, for, for reporting, um, we, we do require that the members, you know, report their exam results and their completed credential within the, the time frame, which is um, 90 days for their exam results and then 30 days after they complete their credentials. And then as far as payback obligations, um, yeah, great news for the members. We do not recoup any funds if the member does not pass. So the only impact is that um, for them, if that happens, is that we won't fund the same credential again and it will count towards their one credential per fiscal year. The only time we actually will require the member to pay back the funds is if they do not report their results within the required timeline. Okay, okay. Yeah, it seems pretty straightforward as long as you're able to report good or bad, uh, you know, it's just really to the benefit of the service member. Exactly. Steve, I was talking to Christy yesterday, and that's one thing her shop does very well, is they will follow up with members. So uh, I don't believe anybody's been, has had to pay that back for not reporting their test. You know, they send them reminders, and they're, they're really good about that. I mean, if anything, you guys are the cheerleaders trying to make sure that they get over the hump. So Exactly. Uh, um, okay, so, so that's great. So there's no payback obligation. Um, in the year that you guys been doing this, are, are there any lessons learned or best practices that, that you've seen uh, you know, that could help people as they submit their own request? Um, absolutely, Steve. So definitely we want the members to submit their applications early because we do have that 14 day window where we must receive the application prior to 14 days from the exam date. So that, that is definitely a key takeaway. We recommend that the members submit their request at least 30 to 60 days in advance. That seems to be, you know, a good timeline to resolve any issues and answer their questions and, and, and make sure everything is okay with their application. 
Also, another reminder is to make sure that they upload their 1164 and their receipt as soon as possible so, so that we can get the members reimbursed quickly. And we do get questions about the 1164 a lot as well, like how do we fill it out? Where do we find it? So the answer to that is once we authorize their application, there's actually a pre-filled 1164 within their application. So the members just need to go back to my CGED and download that pre-filled 1164, which makes it easy for them to pretty much just sign it and upload it back to us and then we'll process their reimbursement. A um, couple other, you know, lessons learned and, and reminders for the members is that um, we, you know, want to remind them to make sure that they research the recertification requirements because a lot of credentials have the, you know, they have to be recertified in two or three years. So we want to make sure that they know what they're getting into and that they maintain their credential. So they should, you know, definitely be checking that as well when they're applying for um, credentialing assistance. And also we want them to check back with us regularly because policies change. You know, right now we pay one credential per fiscal year, but that could change. And we don't fund officers at the present time, but, but that could also change. So, so keep checking back with us, keep checking the website to, to see if, you know, some, some other avenues open up for other members or, or maybe more credentials in the future. Um, let's see, one, one more thing I would like to say along these lines is we want members to share the program with their shipmates, um, especially officers and senior enlisted. Tell your members about it. It will help them now while they're in service and when they transition to the civilian world. Sure, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that the Coast Guard is there to help folks uh, renew and retain their certifications once they've worked so hard to earn them. That's, that's an awesome perk of this program. Um, and we will pay for those recertifications. So if we fund you know, their cybersecurity exam in FY20, and then they have to recert next year, we'll, we'll pay for that as well. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, you know, our time is kind of coming to an end together, but uh, I just wanted to make some space. Um, are there any other recommended resources that either of you would recommend for our listeners? Yeah, I, I have a couple, Steve. Uh, yeah. First one we have is our M2M uh, credential fee waiver for active duty members, the National Maritime Center, NMC, they have a new policy. So it waives all fees for Coast Guard members all M to M fees are waived. And however, it doesn't pay for TWIC cards, but our program does pay for TWIC cards. The policy is available on the Coast Guard MMC credentialing policy website. And they can find that at mmcpolicy at uscg.mil. And uh, also a, a, another um, resource for members is due to the COVID outbreak, there are plenty of online test centers that are offering tests for members because a lot of the education centers have had to close for visitors. And if a member goes to the Coast Guard Cool website, you go to the middle and right there in big bold letters, uh, you will actually see it's a hyperlink that says important test vendor information. Uh, they can go on there 
And if they look on the bottom left, there are plenty of test vendors that will uh, offer them tests online. There's a company called Certiport that has a lot of the Adobe and Microsoft tests that members can do online. Pearson View offers hundreds of tests online. A lot of these companies have stepped up. Pearson View offers, uh, I call it A to Z, everything from Alaska Nurse all the way down to Zen Engineering Technologies. This isn't just Virginia-based tests. This is all of CONUS, Alaska, and Hawaii. You were asking earlier if you have a transitioning member, they can sit and if they know they're going to get out of the service, move back to Michigan, they can take a Michigan state test on that site. Very, very helpful. Get out of the military and then they have a state centric license that can help them out pursue a job. Uh, there's also uh, Prometric. You can take Dante's online and a lot of members have taken Dante's. We also have the Coast Guard Foundation. They are taking applications right now from now to March 15th and they can go to Coast Guard Foundation dot org forward slash apply and the last one uh, we have skillport now as christy said the credentialing program doesn't pay for um, doesn't pay for training and, and prep courses skillport is a great uh, resource for for members it's a web-based e-learning portal that allows you a large range of training courses that are online and those are some of the resources that are available great Again, I'll make sure I list those, uh, and, and, and Mike, you have to make sure you send me a very, very detailed list of everything you're rattling off here for <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. I'll send Great. it to you, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, the last question, I just kind of want to keep it open-ended for each of you. Uh, you know, we've talked about your program, kind of where you've been, where you're going, how to get through the wickets to utilize the resource. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Is there anything else you want to add for our listeners? Yeah, I'd like to keep emphasizing the fact uh, we get a lot of questions. Uh, the Coast Guard cool site, that's your primary source of information is on that site. And you can literally, you can go on Google and Google Coast Guard cool, and it's your first one that pops up there. Um, be on the lookout, members, because like I said before, we're going to be adding collateral duties. That is ongoing. We're going to keep adding them as we go. And we have a lot of coxswain courses, instructor development courses. We have about 17 uh, different C-School uh, courses for under coxswain rate that are gonna be, your collateral duties are gonna show up on there. So now we're getting into stuff that's more meat to the bone, if you will. And also be on the lookout, like Christy said, for we have some policy changes coming out. And um, also Christy, do you have anything you wanted to add? I think you, you guys pretty much covered everything. Um, the only thing I would say is the resources on the websites. I don't, I'm not sure we mentioned that yet, but, but we do have user guides and PowerPoints and flyers and trifolds on the, um, the CG Cool site and the ETQC site. So that would be beneficial, you know, if members want to, to dig into that and get the detailed instructions. And, and they can also always contact us as well, and we'll help them through the process. Perfect. Perfect. Um, but Steve, I would like to say thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about the credentialing program for the Coast Guard. And to thank you guys for all you do for the military community and our veterans. Well, thank you for that. It's, you know, it's an honor to continue to give back. And, and uh, I'm just happy and thankful that you guys would join me today and we could give you a platform to continue to spread the goodness that is USCG cool. So 
Mike, thank you for your service. Christy, thank you for your service as a mill spouse. And thank you for your continued service for our Coast Guardsmen out there. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our Chief of Staff, Steve Bain, our Editor, Lex Brown, and our Head of Social Media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for-purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life.